It's time to unify and simplify the IT world. We are here to do that one podcast at a time. I'm Steve. I'm McKay. And welcome to the Interchange IT Podcast. So you were just saying uh, to our wonderful guest today yeah. that you uh, you were at the Eclipse site last summer. Yeah, I mean, we talked and about this yeah, a we, bit. Yeah, we talked about then. this a ton, but you're, you're, the pictures you have of this thing are just amazing that he's yeah. got his office. So we were, long story short, we were complimenting Steve on his new office, which he has, and he's very proud of. And uh, he's got a picture of the Eclipse, which is just really cool. And yeah. so we were, he was, was explaining that story. It's uh, kind of the, the main, you know, the exact time you'd want it. It's got the... Burst. Like the halo effect behind yeah, it with the yeah. burst. It's really cool. If you ever, I, I understand uh, Eclipse Chasers. I understand why they do that. Like, I'm tempted to go find some more, go visit and see them. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, our, we introduce our guest right off the bat here. Do it. Uh, I've got with us Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll. I've known Jeff for what, five years now? About five years, yes. Uh, I like to refer to Jeff as the real most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Jeff is uh, uh, a physician. How long have you been a doctor? About 25 years. 25 ER doc. I've seen him in action. He worked, uh, I can say this because it's not HIPAA. You know, he worked on my dad when he broke his femur. Yep. That was that was exciting. That's a fun day. He was there when he, my dad broke his femur. Um, you've worked uh, with companies as a chief medical officer. Uh, I've got some things I want you to check out after this. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's over. not that kind of doctor. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, you, he's an author, both uh, nonfiction and fiction, a sculptor, uh, a painter. Jeez. Um, uh, an accomplished cyclist. How many times have you ridden Loaded Joe now? Oh, just once. Uh, completed it once two years ago. I haven't, but I'm, uh, I'm registered for the lottery this year, so I might do it again. So if you don't know, do you know about Loaded Joe? No. Loaded Joe is a bike race from Logan, Utah to Jackson, Wyoming. Ooh, that's a long way. One day. About 212 miles. How many feet of vertical? About 10,000. About 10,000 feet in vertical in one day. It's awesome. I tried it. and uh, so I don't know that I could drive that in one day. I feel like I'd need to stop at the Maverick and get a big goal. You'd be driving your combine from Antimony. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, Jeff is pretty much, if, if it can be done, Jeff is not only down to try it. He probably has already. So... Uh, Wanted to, to bring Jeff on, and I think the topic we kind of want to talk about is how do you balance all of that? Before we get into it, though, mm. the lightning round. Oh, yes, here we go. You ready? So, ready, lightning round, lightning ready. round is we're going to ask you a series of questions. It's kind of a get to know. Get to know Jeff. Get to know Jeff. All right? This makes me very nervous. Yeah, you should be very nervous. Uh, favorite oh. movie of all time? Oh, maybe Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yes. We are best friends. That's my favorite. I, I have a son who's a screenwriter uh, in L.A., and a lot of his friends in film think that's best, uh, one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, I think it's remarkable. The end scene always gets me. When it, it's one of those movies that if you're flipping around on TBS at 1030 at night and Shawshank's about that's 30 what you're minutes watching in, for the night. it's like, oh, crap, I'm going to get to bed at 2 a.m., even though I've seen this <laughs> seven times. Our favorite book that you haven't written. <laughs> that I haven't read. Um, I really like uh, novels by a guy named Robert B. Thompson, who uh, died uh, a few years ago. He published about 40 novels, and they're really quick-paced, uh, 
action. Uh, about five of them were made into movies, Jesse Stone movies starring Tom Selleck. Oh, there really? you go. There you go. Cool. Uh, are you currently binge watching a show on Netflix? Like, do you are you one of these guys who sits down and hammers through eight episodes in yeah. a you know in a sitting? I rarely binge watch stuff like that. About the only time I binge watch is when my kids come home for a visit or something, and they turn it on, and then I'll sit and watch it with them. But I like. Uh, Big Bang Theory. It's, it's All right. There you go. I think it's the first time we had Big Bang I Theory. I think it is. Mentioned. I'm impressed. Favorite breakfast cereal? Oh. Oh. I, I, I'd probably go with uh, just old-fashioned life cereal. Life. You know, Mikey likes it. Mikey doesn't like anything, right? There's yeah. the, uh, I think it's Jerry Seinfeld has the routine about life cereal, about how it, how presumptuous you have to be. If you're in that branding room at uh, Kellogg or whoever's made the cereal, they're like, this cereal, you know what this is? It's life. It is life. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a great, <laughs> great bit. Seinfeld at his best. All right. And if you could max out your credit card at any one store. Brick and mortar. Amazon does not count. You can't count Amazon. Oh, I'd go to the mezzanine at Tiffany's in, in New York and buy myself a new Patek Philippe watch. Wow, there you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a good answer. Is, it's, like only, it. it's only about, the one I like is about 150000 Well, there yeah. you go. There you go. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen that one. I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen pictures of that one, actually. That's, that's the watch. Uh, well, actually, the watch my uh, character in my novel wears is uh, about 10 times that. It's, a, it's an over-million-dollar Patek Philippe watch that his grandfather gave him. What makes a watch over a million dollars or $100,000? I don't know. Because lots of metal. Fancy metal. Thin metal. Fancy. Very low. Lots of movements. Yes. Yes. And then final question in the lightning round. What's your least favorite pet you've ever had that you just hated? Some dog that went to the farm, quote unquote. <laughs> oh, I don't remember ever having a pet that I didn't like, but uh, we always had livestock around the house when I was a kid. A couple of steers or a few sheep or a pig or something, and we'd, we'd slaughter them usually at the end of the season and put them in the freezer. And some of those animals I was pretty glad when uh, the day came to uh, put them down. <laughs> no, no, just move location. They that's move location into awesome. the freezer. I love that. That's, that's a good great. answer. That's a good that's, answer. That's, after, after they break the fence a few times or uh, cause other... Uh, uh, chaos on the farm. Don't you feel like a good steak at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good steak. So I did want to bring up one little item of news here, though, that we can oh, all yeah, talk about. Yeah, yeah. So I saw um, just barely Amazon had their had their earnings announcement for Q1. Yes, fifty one billion dollars in revenue in Q1. Now here's the interesting thing with that. Several years ago, uh, well, in revenue, how much have they made in profit? I don't know. I didn't see the profit. I just saw the revenue because they're still not making a profit. Are they not? I didn't even know. They're just reinvesting, reinvesting. So they they anticipate they're going to be well over two hundred billion for the year because Q four is obviously going to be their biggest quarter with Christmas. So they're well over. They're probably looking at two twenty five to two hundred thirty billion dollars. So Amazon stock is up like eight percent today, um, and you know. Going back to like 2005, should have put just a ton of money that I did not have why would you into want to, Amazon stock. Why would you want to invest in a book company? <laughs> no, right? They just sell stamps and books. I'll put my money in some other company. Oh, I remember. And remember CD Now? Yes. I remember was, CD Now. Like, wow, you really can buy music on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> right. CD Now. Oh, gosh. Oh, Good times. I miss Columbia. So, CD so Club. When, when Steve was telling me about you, Jeff. I actually was like, that's not, that couldn't be just one human being who's done all these things. So how have you managed to balance everything, being a doctor, 
and then also being a nonfiction and fiction writer, being an athlete, like how, how do you, first of all, how did you get into each one of these things? Maybe some background and then how do, how do you balance all that? Well, uh, I, I did my first writing really when I was uh, still a medical student. Uh, I was fascinated by ancient theology uh, and scripture and uh, wrote an article that got published uh, uh, when I was still a medical student. And I followed up on that with some additional articles. I wrote a couple articles about emergency, mar emergency department administration. And uh, um, then I was uh, doing some work, a consulting work for a company, medical device company. And I spent about five weeks in Europe uh, one winter traveling around France, Switzerland, Germany, uh, Italy, uh, England. And I started writing. I had an, an idea in my mind about a character and I started writing the book while I was on the trains traveling between these various places, and then it uh, kind of evolved from there, and that's how I uh, ended up with my first novel. Uh, my children's books, I wrote a series of six children's books last year. I was riding in the car with my three-year-old granddaughter, and she said, uh, Papa, tell me a story. And I was in the car, so I had to make it up. So I made up a story about Muck the Duck. And she was t still telling it in a, with such detail. Three days later, my wife finally said, Jeff, you have to write that down. So, because my wife would try to retell it, and my granddaughter would say, oh, no, no, Mama, that's not correct. <laughs> and she'd correct her. And so then after I wrote it down, I found an illustrator, and all my children's books have original hand-painted artwork, uh, no, no digital artwork. And, uh, and you painted the artwork? No, no, I found an illustrator right. that was about a block from me. I, I paint, but all my, my painting's all abstract. I, uh, okay. I don't like to do realism. When I, when I try to do realism, it just stresses me out and makes me frustrated. When I do abstract, <laughs> I can sit down at a canvas, and a few hours later, I can have all my stress out on the uh, canvas and walk away feeling uh, uh, accomplished so, and satisfied. So is that the, the, the I mean, all, all these different interests, is that kind of the, is, are they stress outlets for you? Is that kind of one of the... I think some of it's stress outlets. Some of it's just a, a matter of necessity. For example... Uh, a, a dear friend of mine, who was also an emergency physician, uh, gave me a wonderful Christmas or birthday gift one year, and I really wanted to reciprocate. But he's one of these guys that has money, he has resources, he knows exactly what he likes. He's very detail oriented, and, and there was no way I could buy him a gift. That right, he, something he didn't have or didn't. Yeah, right. 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 Well, he was a veteran, uh, and he was from Pennsylvania, and he had a picture on his wall of this 39-foot bronze statue in the 30th Street Station of. Uh, Philadelphia. Uh -huh. Some people have seen it in the movie The Witness. It's this angel okay. lifting, lifting yeah. a soldier. And uh, he liked that. And he was a veteran. It, it commemorates 1,400 railroad workers, Pennsylvania railroad workers that died in World War II. So I decided I was going to sculpt that for him for his birthday. So I did a 39-inch maquette, uh, 1 12th scale, and so it was, it was of necessity that I learned how to sculpt. I went to a friend of mine who was an excellent sculptor. He's very accomplished, has stuff all over the world. And uh, I was sculpting one day. This is, this is how he taught me. I was sculpting one day, and he walked up, and he looked over my shoulder. He stood there for a minute, and then he reached down, and he grabbed this big mallet off the table, and he started bashing my sculpture's right shoulder, this angel's right shoulder. And he goes, you need to fix that. And then he walked away. So... <laughs> He kind of had a unique teaching style. It reminds me of like the, the, the Russian ballet teacher. One and what are these? These are not lines. You're not making lines with your. That's not Russian. That was probably German. I'm not sure what that was, but it yeah. offended many of our listeners. It's, it, the, 
checkbox. We've done that again this <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, we, we did that frequently. Um, so how – one of the things that I think the people who listen to our podcast are people who are in um, technology and IT departments, right? They're busy. They've got the whole infrastructure of the company kind of on their backs and – that's, it can be stressful, especially when something goes wrong. Something um, goes wrong, it goes wrong. Yeah, when something goes wrong, everybody notices if their yeah. email doesn't work or if you know everyone gets a virus on their computer. Um, what is the approach you've taken to um, leave work behind? Or, or I've heard Jeff Bezos, we're talking about Amazon, I've heard Jeff Bezos argue that in today's day and age, you can't leave work. You just have to manage through work, right? You have to like, you might have to respond to an email after hours. Or you might have to do X, Y, or Z, but but you can still make sure that you're not on all the time by putting your device down, for example. Like, how, how do you manage through that? How do you figure that out? Well, that's a real challenge because people have different philosophic approaches to that. Some people think you need to be available all the time. I personally don't. In fact, I think one of the biggest challenges in, in having a balanced life in this day and age is managing your technology, which has a the capability of invading you at every time and place. So when I go on a bike ride, for example, if I'm going out for a ride for two or three hours, I have my phone in my back pocket because it's monitoring my ride, but I don't answer it. It can wait till I'm done, and that's just my philosophy. Uh, my, my boss that I do some consulting work wanted to know my avail- availability for the next 30 days, and he was very upset when I said, I can't give that to you because... Outdoor exercise is a priority for me, and my availability might depend on the weather sometimes. Because if I have a good afternoon, I may just go out and get on my bike and go. So you're in the philosophical camp of just sometimes you just need to unplug totally. I think so. I wrote about it in my most recent books titled Not Yet. And one of the things I talk about in that book is having a spiritual balance, having an emotional, intellectual, physical, spiritual balance and how you get that. And one of the big things, in my opinion, to get that balance is taking time to unplug to be silent, to listen to the universe or God or whatever your philosophical belief is and connecting with that and being true to it. So at times just be silent. I think that's great advice. Yeah. So I, I read, um, actually heard a speech from a religious leader who used to be a university professor, I think in organizational behavior down in Arkansas and then up in uh, BYU-Idaho. Um, and he was asked by a member of the audience he was speaking to, you know, how do you balance everything? And the way he explained it, I thought was really cool. And it kind of goes in line with what you're saying. He's like, what I do is think about um, think about each aspect of your life being a crystal ball, a glass ball that you're trying to hold and balance. And you have three or four of those areas, right? And he said, there's going to be times where the trick is never to let one of these balls touch the ground and, and shatter. But there's going to be times where the, the ball associated with your work and your career is really held highly because it's a busy time. And the family glass ball is very perilously close to touching the ground and you have to rebalance that but he's like you're never going to have a moment in your life where all of those four glass orbs are exactly the same distance above the ground like balance his point was balance is not realistic what's realistic is making sure that you're juggling things appropriately enough that nothing falls through while maintaining some level of um you know efficiency with each one. Would you agree with that approach? Is that? Yeah, I I do. I think uh, demands of work wax and wane, and sometimes they're uh, very unyielding. Uh, But at other times, you can find 
uh, an opportunity to slip away, to, to spend time with your spouse, to spend time with your children, to get recreation, exercise, to do the things that feed your soul. Because if you don't feed your own soul, you're not going to have anything there to give to others. You're not going to be able to help other people if you don't take care of yourself. How do you check that, though? How do you check to make sure? Because no one, I think, ever intentionally says, hey, you know what I want to do is ignore my family, or, or very rarely. Right. No some, one, pe- some people do say that. Yeah, some people do say that. No one, no one really says, "Hey, you know what I want to do is, uh, you know, be the worst employee at work right, I right. can." So, how do you check? What, what, what I think you've had some employees that have done that, though, right, Steve? Hey, I'm not going to talk about that. That's an HR issue. <laughs> so, so how, how do you how do you check that? What, what, why do you say? How do you make sure everything is maybe not in balance all the time, but on its way or? Uh, Never touches to, the ground. Yeah, or, or close to balance. Uh, I one one thing I do is I listen to my wife. I've been married for almost thirty two years, and she almost always has a good sense when things are getting out of balance. And I trust her. <coughs> I love her, and I trust her, and she's a big help. Um, I, at one point in my life, about twenty years ago. Um, I felt like some of the things I was doing, uh, religious, spiritual things, got to be a bit much. And I took time away from that, and instead of committing my Friday nights to those things, I took each one of my children on a one-on-one date each Friday night for a long time after that and tried to put that back in balance. So I think the answer is most of the time something's a little bit out of balance, and it's trying to find where you need to put your time and kind of rebalance. So in in the process of... In looking to see if things are in balance, it'll, it'll it'll help correct. Yeah, I think I, I think so. Um, and for me, if I go out for a run or I go on a bike ride, I usually come home with a better sense of where I need to tweak things, where I need to readjust. You come home with a clearer head. And and sometimes things have been troubling you for hours or days. You come home and you you've got an answer. So one of the, one of the things I've been really impressed with is how you're totally unafraid to try something new. Oh, no, no, I'm very afraid. I'm very timid about that stuff. But you still do it. Most, you do it. Most of my life is uh, based on fear, fear-driven fear decisions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably not for, uncommon. It, you this know, the, this the, is good for a guy who works in the ER. <laughs> the, the book I just wrote, the one I mentioned already, not yet, I, I talk about all these uh, kind of, some of them out-of-body experiences, some of them shared death experiences, near-death experiences, a lot of these spiritual things uh, over a 25-year career in the emergency department. And in the last chapter of the book, I think it is that I say, now I want to end with one brutally honest admission. I'm still afraid. Not afraid of dying, afraid of the painful process that life is sometimes and what's coming next. So there's plenty of fear. What do you do to overcome that then? Uh, go forward. See, see, that's why I'm saying you're not afraid. Because I think, I, I would say that that's courage right there, right? Because courage is acting in spite of fear. That's right. Not ignoring the fear, but acting in spite of fear. You know, I would say... Superman, for example, there's not courage there. Because right. he, what, the bullet's going to hit him, right? Batman, that's courage. Well, that's, that's a great <laughs> analogy, actually. Superman does not have courage. Batman has courage. No, I've seen interviews with, like, D-Day veterans, right? Yeah. Like, who stormed the beaches at Normandy. And that's what they say is, like, 
of course we were terrified. You had guys throwing up in the boats as they're pulling up to shore. But then you oh, the thing opens and you charge out into the machine gun fire. That's courage. Like, you know, like knowing you're absolutely horrified and yet you still press forward, right? So I'm going to amend my question, Jeff. How do you find the courage to go forward in spite of fear? Because I, I find the same thing. I was like, I'd love to sculpt something. I'm terrified that it's going to look up like worse than the ball of clay that I start with. It would. It would look worse. It would. Well, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I can answer your overarching question, but I can respond to the example you give with regard to sculpting. And one of the reasons I like sculpting and one of the reasons it's so relaxing for me is it's such the antithesis of being a medical physician. In other words, at work in the ER, people expect you to get things right. They want you to get it fast, they want you to get it right, and they want you to get it every time. And by the way, they want you to be in a good mood and be personable in the process, and preferably they'd like it free. So that's the demands of being at work. But when I go and sculpt, I can work on the face or the arms or something for a few hours, and if I don't like it, I can just cut it off and start over on that part. Can't do that in the ER. Can't do that in the <laughs> ER. <laughs> Tried that once. <laughs> Tried that. Almost got fired. That's why yeah. I'm not a doctor anymore. <laughs> that's, that's great advice. Yeah. So I want to ask you some specific questions, too, about some of the areas that you're interested in. Um, so, and we, we can maybe return to work life as well in a second, but I'm, I'm interested with your time in the ER um, and obviously you can't be specific given, you know, certain federal regulations, but I would love to know, have you, give me, give us some examples of situations where someone's come in with a, uh, you know, a, a femur totally dislocated or, you know, some crazy story that you're like, oh wow, how'd that happen, I can bro? tell you about that one. <laughs> like, how'd that go down? Like, how'd you get that screwdriver in your leg? This, this is the question I get asked a lot, uh, by, uh, strangers. I've been sitting around a table at dinner, you know, at a wedding party, and they start asking that question. And then when you start to answer it, they suddenly they're suddenly not hungry anymore. <laughs> um, you can call it the diet question. Yeah. <laughs> I should ask that question more often. Yeah, serious. Uh, some of the unusual things are, are some of the animal encounters. Uh, <laughs> I, I, had one, yes. I had one guy come in that had a, a big dinner plate size round portion of his chest that moved paradoxically, as they say in the medical profession, it moved in the wrong direction every time he took a breath because he had broken ribs in a circle from where the elephant stepped on his chest. Oh. And it was just the footprint of the elephant. Um, oh, I'm I, laughing, but I shouldn't be. That hurts. I that had, hurts. I had one guy who came from, uh, there was a place up in southern Idaho where they had lions. Uh, uh, I think they were lions, uh, big cats. And he somehow got too close to the enclosure, and uh, the lion grabbed him and basically pulled all the flesh off of his arm. And he came oh. in with, it was just basically the bones dangling there. Oh. Uh, I had one guy who got bitten by a Pakistani pit viper. And, was uh, his name Jeff? <laughs> because yeah. we, we have a guy who, here who's a herpetologist. Oh, do you? Well, this guy was a herpetologist, but he wasn't named Jeff, I don't think. But he... He didn't even want to stay. He'd been bitten many times, and uh, the only thing we could do was get some anti-venom on the black market from Iraq, I think it was. And he said, well, I'm going back to work. You call me when you get the anti-venom, and I'll come back. So you get the anti-venom on the black market from Iraq. Whose job was it to get the anti-venom? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who made that happen. Do you happen. FedEx that? It, 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 it wasn't me. Yeah, I don't know. UPS <laughs> overnight. <laughs> UPS doesn't. I don't know that they when deliver. It, what was the, the tagline? When it absolutely has to be there on time. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he had two little fang marks in his uh, thumb or finger, and they just kept oozing blood. Uh, his blood wouldn't clot because of the, the, the ve- venom. The venom, yeah. yeah. Couldn't even measure the clotting factors in his blood. Jeez. So wow. those are some of the some of the strange experiences. Uh, How uh, any advice for uh, folks on the that listen to the podcast who maybe are starting their career and they want to know, you know, how do I how do I um, how do I maintain balance while being ambitious and trying to you know succeed in my career and move up the ladder or whatever it might be or start a business or you know start a company that takes a lot of time, right? I've heard, I've you know, I've heard, uh, we talked to a venture capitalist recently, and we've, we've heard Mark Cuban say this before, where he says, you know, um, when you're starting a company, you're going to be putting in 80, 90-hour weeks. Like, it's not for the faint-hearted. How do you maintain any level of balance when you're trying to get ahead in those types of scenarios? Well, I'm not sure Mike Cuban would like my answer. <laughs> Mark Cuban, I'm sorry. Uh, because I just kind of have a problem with that philosophy. And there's times when you have to put in those many hours, of course. But most of my colleagues in the emergency department worked at least half again as many shifts, sometimes twice as many shifts a month as I did. They made two to three times as much money as I did. But other things were more important to me than money. Uh, I'd rather spend time with my family. I'd rather spend time uh, trying to be balanced spiritually, to get out and do things physically. And Sometimes you just have to give up something to have It's about room. making choices. It's, it's literally about, just about saying, what's a priority to me in my life? Yeah, what are your priorities? And uh, I had an ER colleague that told me once, and I think this is applicable to many occupations, he said, emergency medicine's a race you win walking. If you're going gung-ho all the time, it's not a sustainable uh, endeavor. You, you have to feed yourself. You have to take time to rest. And... Uh, Find something that feeds your soul. Find something you love to do and that you look forward to doing and let it be a distraction and a, a healing thing for you on a regular basis. I love that, though, a race you win walking. I think there's a, especially in America, there's such a push. America. America. To be doing more, faster, better. And sometimes just do what you're doing. Just do it well and then take time to do something else. Well. Well. Yep. That's good, great advice. Any final thoughts you'd have for the listeners on the podcast, Jeff, in terms of um, the stuff we've talked about, right? Work-life balance or, or um, anything else that you think could be helpful for the audience? Yeah. It's been my experience that most people in their work life or in their schooling take a lot of time to plan stuff out and to practice it and to get better at it and to prioritize it. But they don't apply those same principles a lot of time to their life. People need to sit down and think about what's really important to me, what do I really enjoy, how am I going to balance these things so there's time to do what's really important in the long run and the things that I really enjoy, and then practice it. And you'll find yourself out of balance regularly, and you just have to go back to the basics and and reestablish things a little bit. Tweak it. Don't be afraid to tweak it. Um, where I, I, You talked about your, your, your newest book. Where, where can people find your books? All of my books, Not Yet, is the title of the most recent book, is on Amazon. Uh, my novel is titled Who Buried Achilles, uh-huh. and it's on Amazon. And then I have a series of children's books. Uh, they're all on Amazon. Those are great. Well. Those are really great. I, I love those. I've read a bit of Who Buried Achilles. Um, 
and uh, and I have not yet. Right. So, Muck the Duck is that the best children's book? You're the one you 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 were mentioning, right? Yeah, there's six of them. Uh, they're Muck's friends. There's Pat the Rat and Jake the Snake. Pearl the Squirrel has a severe nut allergy. Uh, you know what? That's I've my actually, favorite one. I've actually read Muck the Duck. Oh, really? Okay. Yep, absolutely. Recognize the cover. And uh, Pearl the Squirrel's my favorite because I love the idea of a squirrel with a nut allergy. That's a one unlucky squirrel, man. That's a squirrel who got the raw end of the deal. Well, I did some research, and squirrels eat a lot of things besides nuts. Uh, It's dedicated to my uh, cousin's daughter who has a severe food allergy. A lot of people don't realize how life-threatening food allergies can be, and so it's an educational book as well. And all the children's books are 500 words or less. My novel... Achilles is a uh, my novel's about a guy named Prometheus and he's the ultimate of having an out of out of balanced life in the beginning. <laughs> Good. Good cuz I th- I love the stories of people who can are figuring that out. Yeah, he figures it out. Good. Good, good. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh I I'd, I'd encourage you know, his books are amazing. Um and uh it uh it's been fun knowing you over the last 5 years and thank you for joining us on the podcast pleasure to be here i've really enjoyed it okay to our listeners it's you guys okay so we have the interchange show coming up quickly yep interchange is coming up dallas and madrid dallas dallas in two weeks madrid and madrid in uh what six weeks i think yes. something like that so you can go to interchange.avanti.com register for dallas or madrid depending on where you're located yep um and you can get a 100 off the dallas registration fee by putting in the promo code podcast 18 and you can get 50 euro off the madrid registration fee by putting in podcast 18 and you can uh, email us complaints about mckay's uh, hair or just uh, general demeanor general demeanor yeah, yes that's fine interchange it podcast at avanti.com um and if you have questions, we've been known to answer them on the podcast. And we need also, to do a mailbag episode. We do, and we also need to do another IT horror story. Yes, those have been our most like popular. It's awesome. Yeah, those yeah. are so good. The the fact or lie. <laughs> um, and then also you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Steve Error, and you're at McKay S. Allen. And then LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yes, where we want to be. Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, they can look on my Facebook page, Jeff O'Driscoll. Uh, they'll see my books, and so they'll know it's me because there's a few Jeff O'Driscolls, but that's an easy way to find me. There aren't many Steve errors. If no. you find one, we're related. Probably. Yes. Are you on Twitter at all? I haven't set up a Twitter, a Twitter account yet. I, I'm not uh, totally tech savvy when it comes to that stuff. That makes me feel better. There's hope for me. There's hope. Or maybe not. Maybe the fact that I do know this stuff, that's <laughs> the, the death knell. But a big thank you to Big Giant Circles for our music. We hope to see you in Dallas. Come on the podcast. Join us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Good luck, and we'll talk to you next week. The Interchange IT Podcast is brought to you by Avanti, a software company that helps you succeed in every aspect of your job, including operational IT security, asset management, service management, and supply chain management. Find out more at Avanti.com.